Plants capture CO2. What if we could help industrial plants capture it too? Think how we could help lower emissions. More and more scientists think carbon capture is key to reducing CO2 emissions globally. It's one way ExxonMobil is helping industrial plants be more like plants. That's the unexpected energy of ExxonMobil. Together now, happy birthday, TV 12. Patriots quarterback Tom Brady turns 41. We're going to have a live report from Pat's camp. And what would our guys here give someone who pretty much has everything? Plus Ray Lewis, Randy Moss, T.O., Brian Urlacher, among others. But is this the best Hall of Fame class of all time? Uh, We're going to break it down and discuss it here on the show. And really, it's a big celebration this weekend out in Canton. And uh, it's going to begin right here on NFL Live. Welcome in. Happy Friday, everybody. Darren's going to be there. Yes. Enjoying it. Nice. That's uh, right. Played against all those guys, man. So it's, uh, or most of those guys. And one day, then you will be there. Yeah, well, I'm hoping. Ooh, Forever. I yeah. yeah. I think. All right. We've got superstars here. Uh, this being Jeff Darlington, of course, Darren Woodson. I'm Diane Rossini. Uh, Adam Schefter is going to join the show in just a few minutes. But, uh, you know, last night, most of us all were pretty much just tuning in for, for really only one reason. And we had to wait to the second half to see it. And that's, of course, Ravens rookie quarterback Lamar Jackson taking in the first round. A lot of talk. Is Joe Flacco losing his job? But we finally get to see what Lamar looks like out on an NFL field against the Bears in his debut. Well, he drops back here. Can't find an open man. And this is what he does best, right, guys? He's just scrambling and picks up the first down. Well, this is what he did in college. And that's what we based off this off of his athleticism, getting out of the pocket, breaking down the defense. All right, this where he drops back. Finds Jordan Lastly, 14-yard gain here. You show those those two plays right there, and it's all good. (laughs) And then. So far, right? So now here you go, scrambling again. And here comes this sack in the takedown here. And that's the thing about the NFL. The game is moving a lot faster. The inside linebackers can run. And this is the case. I really like this throw. I know it was on the back shoulder. Should have led the receiver. But at the same time, on time, he got to his final step and made the right throw. It was a quick release, right? Yeah, so you it gotta, it's commendable there. So Ravens go up 17-7. He gets his first NFL touchdown. Then late in the third, yeah, this is where it got a little messy, Jeff. Yeah, so that was bad. That was when I started. I wondered. Uh, I cringed. I think I texted Darren saying, oh, boy, I know what I was facing today once I got here. Here's Lamar with Dow now. What are you trying to prove in training camp the rest of the way? Um, I can keep, you know, um, how should I say it? Um, just keep going, you know, keep getting better, keep improving. Yes, sir. You said that you wanted to say to yourself, I can play the quarterback position yes, in the sir. NFL. I threw an interception. I threw an interception. So? I don't like that. I don't like that. So it's a work in progress? Oh, yeah, definitely. You haven't proven anything yet? Not yet. Not yet. Not at all. I don't feel so. Yes, sir. Well, it's clear what he's focused on, oh, right? I love that so much. I threw an interception. <laughs> Got to get better. Hey, right? 25 rushing yards, 33 passing yards, 4 of 10, a touchdown. But really, all he wanted to talk about was that INT. So, Darren, 
just for, from seeing him for the first time on an NFL field, what'd you think? That's what I expected of him. I, mean, I expected him to, really? to play After well. Really? After all the you, talk? Absolutely. All the talk from Jeff Darlington. That's yes, so true. And, yeah, and we'll you that. as well, Diana. But yeah, I expected him to come in. He's going to be rusty. He's going to be young. He's young in this game. There's a learning curve that has to take place. And you cannot learn the way he, he did until he gets on the field in actual game speed. And then you start to see, okay, I can get better at this. You go back, you look at what you did, and then you find ways to get better. This kid has a bright side. There's, there's going to be a future for, for Lamar Jackson. It's just not now. Let's pump our brakes, let, allow him to grow in this game, and he'll be a very good quarterback. So I deliberately hyped him so hard yesterday. Oh, and, and I do continue to think that he will threaten Joe Flacco's job because the city of Baltimore wants this electricity so bad. And I really thought coming in today, when I got here, that you were going to give me a lot anything. of trash talk, no, right? I, yeah, I didn't. No, in fact, you went the other way and thought he actually did have a really nice yes. performance. You sort of evened things out. And I I think what this night did was exactly what it needed to do for people like myself and probably the city of Baltimore, which was say, okay, maybe we don't need, we can put away the pom-poms for a second. We can, we don't need to anoint him the next Michael Vick out of the first preseason game. And now we can let him develop uh, the way that probably is more rational and uh, basically pump your brakes. Pump my brakes. Let's see what he does in week two. That's that's fine. I think, and I tell you, he's going to grow through the process. We're going to see a much better. I do think it will threaten for the job this season. I think Joe Flacco was sitting there like, yeah, everybody, pump the brakes here. This is this is the truth out here. Body's here to do, and you're not throwing picks on the sideline. The other dude out there that you know we haven't seen since 2016 was Robert Griffin the third guys. You know, there's a lot of excitement to see him out on the field. What'd you make of his performance? I loved his performance yesterday because it's a a bounce back performance for Robert Griffin III, and he threw it, you know, the interception happened earlier, wasn't so much all his fault, but his timing, the ability to get the ball out of his hands, that's been the criticism of Robert Griffin III, the scrambling around, doesn't throw on time, he threw on time yesterday, used his athleticism to get out of the pocket, I thought he put in a great performance, and he was relaxed. The confidence was right. there back in, in RG3. Look, and I do not at all want to sit here and say that he can return to the form of his rookie season, yeah. but it did at least remind me of that year from the accuracy standpoint, which was actually exceptional that season. As you know, you covered him closely that year, but also uh, just, you know, he had the confidence about him. He wasn't doing dumb things, and we'll see. Look, he's, he's basically playing for NFL survival at this right. point. Yeah. Because if he doesn't play well this preseason, he's probably not getting another job in the True. NFL. Well, just, so from that standpoint, it's a good thing. Can I ask you a question? I'm not sure if you know. Do you think that he's going to make the roster, though, come week one? So I actually think that that is somewhat based on what Lamar Jackson does. Yeah. Because to me, he is the backup to Lamar Jackson, not the backup to Joe Flacco. Yeah. And so when I throw out all this hype about Lamar Jackson, I think in some sense the signing of him was the Ravens saying – if Lamar Jackson works out, we need a backup Absolutely. who is going to fit that mold. Mm-hmm. Do they carry three quarterbacks? That's a tough tell. Now, I don't I, know. And it's, we have to wait, it's a wait-and-see process. But let, during, during their first preseason game, let's, when they had the full dress rehearsal and they go against ones and yes. you start to really figure out who Lamar Jackson is in practice right. with his accuracy and how he reacts on game day, and then you can assess well, whether we should keep RG3 or not. For anybody wondering about Joe Flacco's security on the team, mm-hmm. even if you think that he's not a good quarterback, He would have a dead cap hit of $28 million. So he's going nowhere, at least for this season, even if it's not to the bench.
If there was one person I wish I was sitting next to during that game last night, it would be Dan Snyder. What do you think he was thinking when he was watching that? Like, oh, what could have been? Maybe you really want to sit next to Dan Snyder and watch a... That's a Jim Shaw. That's a Dan Snyder. No, 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 you're not. You're on your own on that one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, so about four minutes <laughs> into the game. The yeah. Besides the RG3 Lamar Jackson, uh, Joe Flacco hype last night, the game last night, the, the helmet roll. Was, it was really dominating social media in terms of what everyone was chatting about. Of course, four minutes into the, fir- into the first game last night, that was, it was enforced, right? So this is the rule, in case you're not sure of it, because there was a lot of confusion. You can see it right there. It's a foul for player, lowers his head to initiate and make contact with his helmet against an opponent. Contact does not have to be on an opponent's head or neck, lowering the head and initiating contact. So uh, a lot of words there. Um, but f- for you, D- Darren, from what you saw last night, what was your takeaway? It only took four minutes for them to make that call. Yeah, it's going to be early and often, That's early right. on, especially during the preseason because they had to set precedence to lead into the season. Now, I don't think they're going to make all these calls during the regular season, but through the preseason, we saw in yesterday's game, we saw some actions that took place. And here's number one. The, the crossing route, the outside route here, and the player comes, the linebacker comes in, and now you got five yards to make a decision on where you want to target the, the receiver here. He didn't have to go to the head. He led with his head, could have cut down a little bit lower and finished the play. So I understand this rule right here. Look, led with his helmet. It was a helmet-to-helmet contact. It wasn't the crown of his helmet, but it was the top of his helmet, and that's going to be a that's legitimate easy. Easy. An, an easy call here. And, and look, you have time. In these situations, I, 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 watching Teddy Bruschi, watching some of the great players, you know they can make that judgment call and make a better play. This one is another one. Four or, four, four or five yards to make a decision on where to put your helmet. And this was not a bang-bang play. I would not call this a bang-bang play. I call it a position where the linebacker saw. He put his head all the way down. That is textbook. That is, textbook. That, is, that is a penalty. That is a true penalty, and yeah. we totally get that. And I think defensive players really understand that because you have to not only protect the receiver, but you have to re- protect the defensive player from hurting himself as well because that could be damaging to That's the That's very net. clear. Now, here's the one that's a little confusing here. This is a play, this is what we call a bang-bang play because it's happening within a yard and players are flying full speed at the ball. This was a play yesterday that I had a problem with because the player doesn't launch his foot, one foot's still on the ground, he he comes up, there's not helmet to helmet, and he's trying to get his helmet across the body instead of going directly at the helmet. And, and I was get this, it. this was not, though, even based on the new rule, right? This was just a defenseless receiver. This was a defenseless receiver. But you, as a defensive player, this is the problem. Right. As a defensive player, your job is, one, to save your job. So you can't get beat for touchdowns. Because if you get beat for touchdowns, they're going to cut you. Right. Number two is, anytime the ball's in the air, my job is to separate the receiver from the football. So if it's a bang-bang situation where – if he's going to catch the ball, he scores a touchdown. I'm thinking my life, my life is on the line. My lifeline is on the line. I'm not going to lose my job. I got to find a way to separate you from the football. The ball's in your hand. I got to separate you so you don't score a touchdown. So, so I feel you on all that, except for the fact that I feel like it, last night there was a lot of outrage on social media, and I think there was some confusion after the game with the reaction to some of the penalties. The outrage, though, I think is a little bit misplaced because it's not all about the helmet 
the new helmet right. rule. Like, there was only it's, two it's, flags it's other that were the helmet rule that looked actually exactly what they're trying to enforce. The problem for the NFL is the ambiguity with both the penalty call yeah. and the penalties that are in place because we're all sitting here saying, like, we don't necessarily know what exactly it is they're calling. We just know that that looks like a tackle that should just be allowed. Exactly. Whether it's a defenseless I'm, receiver, whether it's top of the helmet. I agree. So, I'm interested to see what this learning curve is going to be for the officials, for the players, yeah, for the coaches, because it's seems like it's still in this. And, and it's not, we're not even there yet because we haven't right. even started talking on the offensive side of the ball. That's right. We haven't had uh, yeah. running backs with the crown of their helmets down, quarterbacks, pulling guards. The offensive so, side of the ball is really going to have to make some adjustments. So before the show, we were talking about uh, when DeMarco Murray was here, he had told us that basically uh, the one year when, in 2013, I believe yes. it was, that running backs were told they would no longer be able to lead with the crown of their helmet. He said it was outrageous. I actually looked it up. There were some headlines. The end of football as we know it. DeMarco said the season came around, they didn't call it once. Yeah. So, like, everybody should yeah. just kind of let the preseason yeah, let it happen, do its thing. Yeah. Let it figure out. And then out. we'll find out where this thing yeah. goes. Yeah, and meantime, coaches right now are still coaching their, their players up to try to teach it to them because some, some are still Absolutely. a little confused about it. Yes. It is. Um, that said, you know, Rams corner Akeem Tlaib, he actually thinks <laughs> this rule is really good for player safety. Take a listen. They're just trying to keep the game safe, trying to, you know, keep guys healthy. And uh, I think it's good for the game. Uh, guys just got to adjust, man. They're trying, to, they're trying to have guys healthy when they retire, you know. So, I mean, it's good for the tackler. It's good for the for the offensive guy. So, man, it's part of the game. Uh, we adjusted to a lot of things so far. So, uh, it's just another thing that we have to adjust to. But, you know, me personally, I'm a leg tackler, so nothing changed for me. <laughs> does he have a point, though? He's from the school of Deion Sanders. He's from that same school. He does have a point. Players are going yeah. to have to adjust. Right. And I know we sit here, and myself being a former player and a former safety, playing a very physical position, you always say, well, the game, this game is not going to be the same. It's not. The league is telling you the game is changing. So the players are going to have to find a way to adjust the way they're hitting. If not, they're going to give you penalty flags. Yeah. And the game's going to slow down. And guys are really getting these FedEx packages. It's a part of yeah. it. Yeah. And not everyone's all in for a DJ Swearinger from the Redskins. He's That's like, right. it's the end of football. Richard <laughs> yeah. Sherman says it's ridiculous. So uh, I'm sure they're going to all be sounding off after week one. And maybe it'll calm down after that. I'm pretty sure our new house might be haunted. What makes you say that? The furniture is levitating. Oh, and the ghost. Welcome home. Yeah, that's that's spooky. You know what's really scary? Missing out on GEICO for help with homeowners and renters insurance. GEICO makes it easy to save a bunch. Great. Uh, you're not sticking around, right? The party's just getting started. <laughs> Happy geico Call today and see how easy homeowners and renters insurance can be. Put your phones down. We're going inside the headlines. We've got it all here for you. Our first headline reads, Steelers, they stayed Antonio Brown to Pittsburgh for injury evaluation. So let's bring in the top insider in the game, our Adam Schefter, to give us more. Adam, what's the latest with Antonio Brown's injury at this point? Diane, it sounds like this was precautionary more than anything else. He had a quad strain. I was told it's nothing more than a few days on Antonio Brown. But again, keep in mind, we're in early August. The idea is not to rush Antonio Brown back on the practice field. So if he missed a week, even two, even the first couple of preseason games, does it really matter? No, it doesn't. All that matters is that Antonio Brown is ready for the regular season opener, and the Steelers don't believe that this at this time is a significant quad injury. So it looks like he'll be good to go, but they want to make sure that they're careful and get him the proper rest to get ready. 
Sorry, Adam, hang on for a sec. Darren Woodson back here in studio. So, so you hear AB perhaps out for a few weeks. And, and Schefter explained it pretty well. They, they're not too concerned yeah. without him. But considering the fact that they got the Browns, the Chiefs, and the Bucks coming up in terms of games, would you be concerned here? I'll be, I wouldn't be so much concerned about Antonio Brown. I would be concerned about the health and the fitness of Le'Veon Bell coming in. Because we saw last year with the slow start, he didn't look like the same player until he got going until week two, week three. And it's hard. Listen, when you're out training by yourself, it's one thing. But when you come on and put in the football pads and you get in football situations, then you have to work your way into shape. And not only that, but they start off with the Cleveland Browns, who always, and I know know what you're going to say, they didn't win a game last year. I'm not saying that this year. I know Darlington would definitely jump on it. He'd be weighing in. But I think that I look at the Cleveland Browns as a team that's going to put pressure on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Last year they played played each other really close, and then you keep going down the line. If you don't have all your bullets in the gun, you you better be ready to start the season off with all your guys ready and healthy. You talk about the biggest difference between working out on your own and then going back on the field with your teams. Yeah. What's the biggest difference? What do you feel immediately when you're playing with a team in that environment versus when you're on your own? Okay, when you're on your own, you try to get that quick twitch muscle going as far as you, you hit the hole if, if you're Le'Veon Bell, you're doing workouts by yourself and try yeah. to enact that there's a linebacker there and you're, you're breaking off. But it doesn't work that way until you get into that situation and you have a live linebacker that's in front of you and you have to react. And not only that, it's the, it's the nicks and the little bruises yeah. and the bumps that you have to overcome to get your body, body battle-hardened for the season. So it usually takes a couple of games to get in that game time mode. Yeah, the trash talk, the smell of sweat, all that That's stuff all plays that. into it, right? That's all of it. Yeah. All right, our next headline, it reads, uh, Kenny Vaccaro um, is to the rescue. Perhaps Titans in the market for a starting safety. So, Shepard, uh, you know, Johnson Cyprian tore his ACL. The Titans, they're looking for a safety. They need one. So who, who are they working out? Well, they worked out Kenny Vaccaro, Mike Mitchell this morning. They're working out Eric Reed later today, the former 49er safety. Eric Reed was supposed to be there in that workout this morning, but his flight was delayed last night, didn't make it in time, so they'll work him out this afternoon. And before they have to get a look at all those players, before they can make any type of decision. But there's a group of safeties. They want to make a move there. They want to add another safety. I would think of the group this morning that Vaccaro might have the edge over Mitchell, but they want to see what Eric Reed can do. This will be Eric Reed's second workout this offseason. He worked out for the Bengals earlier on. You remember he was going to file suit against NFL owners for mm. keeping him out of the league for his anthem stance. So we'll see whether the Titans can get past that to sign a very good player who would help their defense. All right, John Woodson. So we got Reed, Vaccaro, Mitchell. In terms of what would fit in this Titans defense, which one stands out? Look, Vaccaro's a tackling machine, and he can do multiple things. Not only can he cover and play the safety position, but he can walk down the slot and cover the slot receiver. But then when you get a guy like Eric Reed, who's fundamentally sound, a great athlete in the middle of the field, can get sideline to sideline, can go up and get it and make big plays for you. I don't know. I, I can't. I don't understand how he does not have a job. Because there's a lot of needs for the safety position. And Eric Reed is one of the better safeties in the league that can play four down. He can play all three downs. You don't ever have to take him off the field and there are no liabilities. Yeah, that certainly uh, would be a bright spot for that yeah. defense that the Titans were able to bring him in. And he'll be working out with that team tomorrow. So are you doing anything for Tom's birthday today? Yeah. It's a secret. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll a couple things here. Happy birthday! To the one and only Tom Brady. Thank you 
so much, Stephen A. Smith. What a beautiful voice he has. Oh, How about this? Star Mike Reese <laughs> tweeting out the beautiful Tom Brady number 12 birthday cake there on the left. And I guess fans ate it all, huh? Hold that's, on. That's pretty fun. That's it on the right. What is that? I, wa- I want to know what it's was cake, in the cake. Darren. I want to know what's oh, in the cake. That's why I want to go out to Mike Reese. Let's go out to the land of birthday cakes and uh, the land of goats, including our very own goat, Mike Reese, joining us live from Foxborough. Mike, uh, what do Patriot fans get the guy who, who essentially has got everything out there? Well, Diana, let's just talk about how this has become like a regional holiday that just keeps getting bigger and bigger here in New England. Brian Hoyer, Brady's backup quarterback and close friend, said that Brady means so much to so many in the region that it's a nice way for people to come out and show their appreciation for him. As for how Bill Belichick showed his appreciation for Brady today, he actually sort of gave him a day off. Brady didn't do much in this practice, giving way to Hoyer and rookie Danny Etling at quarterback. It gave Brady a chance to sort of take in the appreciation from the fans during practice and then his teammates afterwards. I I did not get him anything for his birthday yet. It's hard to shop for a guy that has everything. He's really kind of a dorky, like, shy guy, so... I don't know if he likes it or no. He doesn't. But, uh, you know, uh, when, when you're singing happy birthday to Brady, you know it's football season. You know, we're not that young anymore. Uh, wedding crashers. So, um, it's, it's you know, he's he's the GOAT. I was expecting more than, you know, some more happy birthdays and some, some old man talk. But, um, you know, he doesn't even pay attention to that stuff. He just comes in here. It's another day for him. He's working hard and trying to get us better. And how much do you guys rib him on that stuff in there? You got a rocking chair waiting for him at his locker or something like that? No, they got nice soft chairs for us now, so he's, he's good. <laughs> Brian Hoyer told a story from the other day as him and Brady were running the conditioning hill here at Gillette Stadium. And he looked at Brady, and he's in full pads, and he said, how many 41-year-old guys are in full pads running conditioning hills right now? He said that's why Brady is so inspiring to him. And you might remember Hoyer was actually here from 2009 to 2011, so he got a feel for these birthday celebrations before. He was asked how this one was different as he's back for the first time for this one, and he said, just the gray hair is the only difference for Brady in this celebration here <laughs> at Gillette Stadium. Ah, uh, Mike, you're our chief party animal out there, and I, I, I'm going to guess you already know this stat, but on the day Brady, number 12, turns 41, over the past 12 seasons, the Pats have lost a total of, guess, 41 games. That's 41. It. That's it, baby. That's why you're the best, Mike. Thanks so much. All right, meantime, there weren't any signs of the aging last year, right, guys? Brady became the oldest player in the league to lead the league in passing. He was also the oldest MVP in league history. He's obviously still performing at a very high level, 41. And for his birthday, we put together some of his best moments starting all the way back at Michigan. So let's take a look. Let's go all the way back. 1999. These are all 41 second plays, Darlington. Stay with us here. Michigan taking on sixth ranked Penn State. Brady finds Marcus Knight in the end zone for the touchdown, and Michigan comes back to win the game. This is against OSU. Brady finds Marquise Walker, takes it all the way down in for the touchdown, and Michigan, they beat the Ohio State 24 17. How about the Orange Bowl versus Alabama? OT. Brady finds Sean Thompson. He goes in for the TD. Brady and Michigan, they win it. Brady's Wolverines won five straight to end his senior season, including a pair of game-winning drives at Penn State and at Ohio State. Well, let's go to professional football, though, right? 
Super Bowl 38, Panthers, Patriots. We're doing all of this in 41 seconds, guys. Brady finds Deion Branch. A 52-yard completion, Brady's longest completion in any Super Bowl. The Patriots, of course, they go on to win it. So let's fast forward. Super Bowl 49, Patriots, Seahawks. TB12, perfect to Grok in the end zone. Patriots, of course, win that game thanks to, you know, Malcolm Butler's walk-off interception. But Super Bowl 51, Patriots, Falcons, Brady to Edelman. Downfield, ball tipped. Incredible. And how he does it, we still don't know. Edelman comes down with it and the Patriots complete to come back. And they win it in overtime and it still stings those Falcon fans. Then 2001, going all the way back. AFC Championship against the Raiders. Brady keeps it himself. Is he going? He goes. Gets into the... End zone for the touchdown, and Brady pumped up. <laughs> no, Rolling in the That was awkward. A little awkward. <laughs> Anytime he rushes, it's kind of awkward. And 2006. Oh, look at Erlacher. He didn't, wow. he didn't make Erlacher miss. Oh, oh yes, he, he did. did. Brady, you're just too quick. <laughs> All Brady shame. himself, just jukes him. And then how about the 2011 AFC Championship game against the right oh. fourth and one? Jumps over the line and scores. Oh, no, he led with his helmet. I think that's a 15-yard penalty. At this point. Yeah, that's you start. Meantime, now he's he's out there still working out on the beach, trying to trying to increase his rushing. That, that's his goal this season. Oh. All right. So here we now. Married to a beautiful supermodel. He's got all these rings. He's got these beautiful children. He's been sharing so much of his life on social media. I feel oh. like he's just all in with sharing. That said, Darren, what are you, what are you getting Tom Brady for his birthday? What am I getting the man for his birthday? I would say... Two bye weeks for the season. Not just one, but two bye weeks for the season. Simply because if you look at the, the Patriots over the last five years, he's played 89 games. And it's not just 89 games. And I see Russell Wilson at number 90 leading the pack. But at 89 games with Bill Belichick at the helm and the grind that you have to go through on a daily basis with the New England Patriots. We t- they talk about it all the time. You hear Amendola talk about it. It's a serious grind and a mental fortitude to get through that process and get yourself up for it and win the AFC East, get to the AFC Championship, get to the Super Bowl possibly. That's just a, a huge grind on him. So two bye weeks to get his body right. By the way, that was just since 2000. That was just the last five years. Five years, yes. Think about what he's done since 2001. Exactly. In that regard. I mean, that's incredible. You have any gifts from him? Uh, money. And I, <laughs> but it's not coming out of my pocket. It's coming out of Robert Kraft's pocket. Yeah. The former Bill Belichick's salary cap. I mean, this guy right here, look at look where he's at. Tied for it's 11 a when it comes it's to the, 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 uh, the average. That's a cap hit. But also when you look at his average salary per year, he is middle of the pack. Actually below those other guys like uh, Cam Newton and Phillip Rivers. I mean, this guy has made it easy. Okay, maybe not easy. But he has made it easier on Bill Belichick. By taking oh, he's made it money. easy on yeah, Belichick. Absolutely. Fair. When you consider the fact, and this is why I always subscribe when I take Tom Brady's side in the whole Belichick-Brady yeah, yeah. debate, because Bill Belichick is essentially given a little bit of an edge right out of the gates because he has a great quarterback. You always say you got to win with the quarterback mm-hmm. when he's young in that first contract. Mm-hmm. Bill Belichick gets the greatest of all time doing it at that young man's price. I think that is a huge advantage for a team when it comes to roster building. Yeah. So, so what are you giving him? Some money, man. Cash? Give him some more money. Oh, no, I don't want to hear about this. Giselle makes plenty of money. Yeah. Give him what he deserves. Give him more money. Listen to you. How much? I want to know how much you're giving. Yeah, you're sending him. You're giving him uh, some guarantees. What are you giving him? Throw eight more, eight million more uh, guaranteed this year. Okay, just eight million. 
wouldn't even give us five bucks for coffee. Before. Exactly. Tom Brady I, I, you, you were stingy with us. Run out of my pocket. I'm, I'm with Darren. I like the bye week thing, but I'd give him cupcakes. Cupcakes that he could eat. Cupcakes. For when he's wow. playing division. I gave him $8 million in bye week. When he's playing, playing other opponents cupcakes. in the division. I mean, who in his division? He can basically just sit on the bench this year. When he plays the Bills, when he plays the Jets and the Dolphins, because he's not going to have to do too much because he doesn't have a lot of competition. So cupcakes. Just, just a couple of cupcakes. I make some good ones. He doesn't eat. He, he watches what he puts in his body now. Money out. Uh, he just can't. You guys like children all like right. me where you just keep your money all wadded up like no. that? You, you know what? You were stingy with that 20. You didn't want to pull it out early. We just yeah, wanted a cup of coffee. I gave you $20. Dollars, man. Did you give yeah. it back to me? You didn't even get coffee. What? You didn't even get coffee. That's <laughs> it. Drop Do you see Tom Brady dropping off? This no, season. No. This season. Is not this going to be the season he's done? No, not at all. And I know everyone's saying that, they, that, that he's going to drop off this year. He has the AFC East, who I don't see anyone challenging him. Oh. Uh, and then he gets, he's going to be in the AFC Championship game again. I think just right now, Tom Brady's still at the top of his game. He still has weapons around him. I know Edelman's out for the first four games, but he still has that monster in Gronk, his best coach in the, in the league, and Bill Belichick, and a defense that's going to get better. I like him this year. Again, I think, I think they go to the Super Bowl once again. So I understand a lot of people look at Alex Guerrero and they get skeptical of some of the things that he does with his training. But I truly do believe what Tom Brady is subscribing to when it comes to pliability. Maybe it doesn't work for every position, but for the quarterback position, he is proving that it is the best way for a quarterback to stay healthy for a long time. Now, this could end in a moment's notice, yeah. just like it did for Joe Theismann when Lawrence Taylor broke his leg. Right. God forbid that were to happen for Tom Brady. We understand eventually it's going to happen. But what he has done in terms of longevity by keeping his body the way it is is something that and every it's not, player... You know, it's not just the body. It's the mental fortitude to get just to get through. I remember playing and getting to the back end of my career, and I, it was hard yeah. to get up in the morning. It was really yeah. hard. And for, and for him to continue to play at this level with that mental fortitude and staying healthy, and, it, it speaks volumes to who he is. A lot of people want to give – he wants to give Guerrero a lot of credit exactly. for that, but he puts in the no time, time exactly. to do those yeah. things to get his body right. Remember, He's the one who deserves the credit. I remember talking to players during OTAs, young guys, guys in their mid-20s who, you know, were chatting about training, can't be ready to rev it up. And like everyone, even though they love the game, they're like, ugh. To think he's going back yeah. year yeah. after year to a Bill Belichick New England training camp and going out there and, and, and doing it. It's, it's incredible what he's yep. been able to do. We shall see. Apparently played with lots of energy mm. and passion there. Of oh. course, he was a 12-time pro bowler, made it in his first year of eligibility. He was a two-time defensive player of the year, won two Super Bowls with the Ravens. Meantime, Darren, <coughs> favorite memory of him. I remember the game against uh, the Tennessee Titans and Eddie George. And at the time, you, know, you got to set it up. I mean, look, Eddie George is one of the most dominant running backs, physical running backs, was the big bruiser. But I remember sitting there and at, at my hotel room before my game and watching this one and hearing the sound of this hit. No one went heads up with Eddie, Eddie George. Everyone went down low, including yours truly. I went down low to the ankles trying to tackle Eddie George. And I remember sitting there listening to that hit and, and then seeing Ray Lewis get up from it and Eddie get up from it and move on. But the sound and the impact of that was incredible. But the thing about Ray was you always knew that he was a good player. You knew he was a good player. In his first four years, you knew that. That game was in 2000. He came in the league in, in 96. So I always knew he was a good football player. I didn't know how crazy he was. Right. <laughs> and that's where I found out he's crazy. He's absolutely at what another level. I, I mean, the, the great players, are, are they, there's something maniacal about every great player. It's not, it's, 
there's just something about them. You look at Brian Dawkins. He's crawling out. defense. Exactly. It's just there's something about him, and you find out where the crazy side is of them. I remember Deion Sanders having that crazy. There's something crazy about him, something that's that's not right. And that's where I saw Ray Lewis. Are you crazy? I'm a, you got some crazy in you? I, got, I still I have that, that $20 bill you gave. So gentlemanly, I wouldn't guess. <laughs> you know what my favorite, speaking of crazy, it started even before the game, and that was Ray Lewis. Now, in 2013, my, my best memory of him, because I was at this game, last home game when they were playing the Colts, this is right before the Super Bowl run, this was going to be his last time in front of his crowd. He came out, and that stadium, to do his squirrel dance, absolutely went insane. Now, every time he did the squirrel dance, which actually... By the way, it started early in his career. Went to Marvin Lewis and said, man, it's time for the defense to get introduced before a game. And Marvin was like, I don't know about that. And, and Ray was like, no, just let me do it. And he did it, and the place went nuts. And every game after that, he mm. was the man to come out and do that dance. And I'm telling you, it gave me chills that day. And I'm not like a, a Ray Lewis or Ravens. Like, it's not like yeah. I have no reason to roots there. It gave me absolute chills when he came out yeah. there and just erupted that place. It was you, you felt, you understood yeah. the impact of Ray Lewis on that fan base, on that team, even if whenever he talks, I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> I know, last night, we're doing Literally the, no Lamar idea. Like, Jackson's close, first out, hey. I was like, wait, wait, wait. Diana, if you See. go like this, you kind of close and muffle it, you're like, wow, whatever he's saying is really inspirational. And then I open my ears and I'm like, I have no yeah, idea but what you, If you play the game, you understand what you You get saying. it, right? Yeah, it's you get like, it. uh, Absolutely get it. And I can remember when I was playing, playing against him for the first time. We went to Baltimore and played them in a game. And sitting on the sideline, sitting on the bench while our offense is out there and Ray Lewis is playing against our offense and hearing his voice, like the, the crowd is going crazy, but being able to just pinpoint yeah. his voice during the game, him screaming and yelling and, and going after guys, yeah. it, it's, it made you stand up and watch the game because you wanted to see greatness at its best. I don't yeah. want to play the comparison game of like, you know, who is he like, but is there any other player in None. your career that's similar? Not, not uh, not Is that one. Original? He's that original. Not I, I, to play the game with the passion that he played it with. Yeah. To 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 play it like it wasn't just he, he didn't play it part time. It was all the way in. Yeah. It was he crossed the line. He did his dance. He crossed the line, and you knew yeah. what you were getting. He's had a really big impact on young players too. Yeah. I mean, like you can tell, like a, a guy that I've known for a long time, Dequell Jackson, who no longer he's retired, but. I remember early on how he looked up to Ray Lewis and then finally got the chance to be mentored by Ray Lewis and how much that impacted him and how much it resonated. He had a huge impact on this game. Well, let's see if he can keep that Hall of Fame speech down to about 22 minutes. He says he's going to go 25. You taking the over? No. Oh, my God. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Well, we talk about this Hall of Fame group that's uh, getting enshrined this weekend in Canton. Well, I mean, this is pretty incredible. 31 first-team All-Pro selections, most for any class in pro football history. 51 Pro Bowl selections, second most for any class in Hall of Fame history behind that 2014 class. And six of them played in a Super Bowl, tied for the second most for any class. Well, guys, the stars were out in Canton. In 1971, Jim Brown, Y.A. Tittle, Norm Van Brocklin were enshrined in that class. That also included induction of Vince Lombardi. That was obviously quite the talented group there. So how about 93? Two genuine offensive game changers and Chargers mm-hmm. quarterback Dan Fouts and, of course, the West Coast offensive mastermind of Bill Walsh, Chuck Noll, Larry Little. They were also in a five-person class highlighted by Sweetness himself, Walter Payton. Then 2014, not bad, right? Seven-man class, Michael Strand, Derek Brooks, Ray Guy, Walter Jones, Aeneas Williams, Claude Humphrey, a group that combined for the most Pro Bowls of 
any class in history. The five of there, 2018, Randy Moss, Ryan Lewis, Brian Erlacher, Brian Dawkins. This group was first team all pro 31 times. That's a single class record. So we laid it out for you, the best of the best. Do you think, though, this season, this year, 2018's the best of the best? You want to start on this? No, go ahead. Look, I I just don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, and I always fear that whenever we're trying to judge things based on historical perspective. And and I do look at this, and you just said, like, from the all-pro standpoint, you look at any of those kind of statistical things, and it's really hard to compare one class to the next. Like, for instance, I'll go with 1993, okay? I'm just going to pick that because if you do look at it, and you have Dan Fouts, who never got the Super Bowl, but was absolutely game-changing when it it came to the quarterback position. Larry Little played for the 72 Dolphins. Chuck Knoll had four Super Bowls. Bill Walsh had three Super Bowls. Walter Payton, arguably, in the conversation at least, for the best of all time. So, like, you look at that class, and it's hard to say that that's not the best ever even if we look at this class and say just through Super Bowl wins that's, alone, that's right. Just through those that alone, I mean, it's all, and it's, again, you're right. It's it's hard to judge because some of the classes, the Jim Brown class. I mean, Jim I, Brown, I was yeah, too young to know too. every every yeah, guy. That's on that Vince Lombardi yeah. was Y.A. Tittle. Exactly. I, mean, I don't know what those guys did, but yeah. I know they're really good. But <laughs> but if I'm if I'm looking at it. I'm looking at the 2010 class, and, and it's because of these guys that I've played with and the guys that I went to battle with. And, you know, you think about yeah. the Russ Grimms of the world, Ricky Jackson, one of the best outside linebackers to play the game, Dick LeBeau, who we always talk about as a player, one of the best cornerbacks to ever play the game, Floyd Little, of course, John Randall, right. inside pass rusher right. extraordinaire. Uh, Jerry Rice, of all time. probably the, the GOAT, yeah. the, the real, the real goat. GOAT. Yeah. And then Emmitt Smith, the all-time leading rusher. Right. And, I mean, and a guy that has three Super Bowls. I mean, it's just this is this is a very good class. Yeah. Do you, you go like so? So I guess the the question is like when you look at it, when, and it's kind of like when you look at the older classes. It's like yeah. which names do I recognize? Because I didn't watch them play. Right. I didn't understand statistically what they did. But yeah. I'm not going to sit here and say I've seen YA Tittle's highlights. Like yeah. other than maybe a grainy YouTube clip. <laughs> but like so so what I wonder is in 15 years from now, are we going to look? Are you laughing at? <laughs> laughing. It's true though. He's been most people at home are sitting there going, I haven't seen it. In 15 years from now, are we going to look back at this class and say, man, look at all those names? And we probably will. Yes. We probably will look at this class and say, wow, that does deserve to be in the in the conversation the best. Absolutely. Class Absolutely, I, I think this class is the. Oh, I mean, if I'm, if I'm if I'm pulling, I'm saying this is the this yeah. is the class. The only reason I'm trying to shy away from it again is because I'm just trying not to be that prisoner. I think you can arguably say two of the best linebackers to ever play the game in Erlacher right. and, and yeah. Ray Lewis for sure. And then you're talking about two of the best receivers to ever play the game That's as well, right. well and T.O. And, and Randy Moss. So. You say T.O. and my guy Doc. I mean, I think we're going to look back on this and say, well, that was the first year that someone missed. Canton missed the ceremony yeah. T.O., who, of course, is going to be uh, ah, the University of yeah, we're, Tennessee. Uh, yeah, we will. We will. We're 317, will. his speech tomorrow. You know, you know why 317? At three, I asked him at the ESPYs. Why? Because he was drafted in the third round, the 17th pick. That's oh, why that's 317, he's oh. giving his speech. Slightly overthought, but congratulations. I liked it. <laughs> Meantime, tomorrow, we'll once again have the Pro Football Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony for you, the class of 2018, you know the names by now, right? Randy Moss, Ray Lewis, Brian Erlocker, Brian Dawkins, Jerry Kramer, Robert Brazil, Bobby Beathard, Rosal Powell, he caught up with Ray Lewis. Ray, I like to put the Hall of Famers back in high school in front of the, the Bulldog of McKinley High School to remind them 
of the journey of where they came from. Wow. Oh, my gosh. The reflection that I've had since being announced in February. Wow. To see my kids, to see the things that I told them, to see my high school coaches, and to know I was that one kid that didn't have a scholarship. I was that one kid that said I was too small, that I could not do it. And guess what I did? <laughs> I made my way to the Hall of Fame, you know? And then I'm telling you, that's what I believe the belief is, right? It ain't, it's really what nobody else's opinion is about you. It's about what you really do. And it's real people who pay attention to that. So let me tell you something. I just had a gold jacket luncheon that forever changed my perspective. How so? On what a legend really is. That's a room of legends. If, 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 if our world wanted to learn how to deal with each other, that's the room. Oh, all egos aside, man. Like, this is love. This is like me and you. We're the same. Right? Like, everybody. Who better? You, Dick Buckers. You, Dick Buckers. Ain't nobody better. We're on the same team now. And how did it feel to be part of that team? Yeah, it's, it's, as a rookie, right? You're back to your rookie year. Yeah. So they got a rule. Rookies don't speak, right? Yeah. So I'm sitting in there and I'm soaking all of this knowledge up. And I'm watching Chris Domans and I'm watching Jim Kelly, who are both dealing with something, man. And I'm like, what did I just, what did I become a part of? And then I realized that I became a part of a bunch of men who are angels. Who gave people so much peace through their abilities to just create happiness and bring joy week in and week out. And we're not, not, we have pains too. We go through the same things. But what I learned today was love is real. And love conquers all things. And this group of men and this family that I just joined, I've never felt nothing like this. All right, Sal Powell with the big interview there. Yeah, talking about Ray. Uh, on, on the what? evening. You didn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, no idea. I wrote it all down for you. I transcribed it. Back here on NFL Live, time now for the best part of the show, the challenge edition. Basically, we challenge anything or anyone in the league. Adam Schefter is going to start us off. Well, who and what do you challenge? Challenge the NFL owners and the NFLPA to get a new anthem policy in place that doesn't disrupt the sport. But more important, I'm going to challenge both sides to get along, work harmoniously, and use this as a stepping ground towards the next collective bargaining agreement. That's the best thing they could do. Get it done. All right, that's a premier uh, challenge. Can we all right just there. get along? That's a good that start. Oh, okay, I'm going to challenge as well the NFL as far as the new tackle rule. Hey, let's figure out a way to get this right the first time around. We still don't know what a catch is. Darlington definitely doesn't know what a catch is. we got to figure out this new tackle rule so these guys can go out and play. Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis. I challenge you in your process of love and distributing <laughs> the happiness to the world. Do the dance. Uh, no chance. <laughs> what do you keep your speech with? under 25 minutes. Please, under 25. I, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to treasure every moment of it. But just I keep it under 25 love minutes. my challenge, Ray. Take all the time in the I world. I'll take going it to. all. I, I want to wake up I Sunday morning and I want him to still so keep going. going. And right. Jeff's sitting at home like, what did he say? To spread the love in 25 minutes or less. <laughs> 